Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm answering emails and giving you some communication tips to take to bed. Topics include, if you're going to fight with your partner, here are some healthier ways to do it. What's the best way to get comfortable with some good old double penetration? You know I love lube, and here's some tips for finding the right kind for you. And is your ex still interfering with your love life? What to do about it? All this and more. Thanks for listening. So let me tell you about my first time buying a sex toy. I was 22 years old living in San Francisco and I walked into a local shop called Good Vibrations. It really blew my mind. I mean, I pictured sex toy stores to be these dark, dingy places, but it was so open and well lit. It was like an Apple store for vibrators. So I walk in and one of the workers approached me and she immediately put me at ease. She was like, hi, so let's talk about your orgasms. You would think a stranger asking that would make you nervous, but she immediately made me feel so comfortable and helped me figure out what would be best for me. Thank you, Pocket Rocket. At the time, I wasn't even aware that my life would also become devoted to helping people with orgasms and sex, or that I'd be fortunate enough to work with Good Vibrations later down the line. This is why I am so excited to have you guys get to know them as well, if you don't already. I mean, they do run some of the best and most respected adult boutiques in the country. And now with their online store, you get to have that same shopping experience and expertise without ever leaving your house. Seriously, guys, they just know quality. I mean, if they have it in their store, I trust it. And if they don't, I have to question it a bit more. It's not just me that feels this way. I can't stress enough the standard they set in the industry. And I'm even more excited because now Good Vibrations runs the Shop with Emily page on my website. So be on the lookout for some great sex toys and sexy announcements. To see everything Good Vibrations has to offer, just go to sexwithemily.com slash goodvibrations. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash G-O-O-D-V-I-B-R-A-T-I-O-N-S. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. But you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. You can check out everything we have going on on the site. We have blogs. We've got posts. We've got things to help you have better sex and relationships. And it's easy to listen to podcasts now everywhere you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, all those places. Find us on social media. It's at Sex with Emily across the board. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are there. All right, here's some sex in the news. Here's some experiences that couples can have to strengthen your relationship. Whether you guys have been together for a long time or it's a new relationship, I just love some simple things that you can do that can have big changes in your relationship. And these are things you might not have thought about. I always say that couples who play together stay together. And I think just anytime you guys work through an experience, even if it's a negative one in a relationship, it can really grow that bond. So here's a few things. I love this one, talking about your finances. Money, sex, and kids are actually three of the biggest stressors in relationships. So I really think as much as I want you guys to deal with sex things, finances are a huge one. And it can really create tension when you don't talk about it. And the thing about money problems is, 
they're not sometimes as apparent as the sex challenges. Money is just like, well, we've never talked about money. Why would we ever talk about it now? So I just think that um, it's really important to kind of just bring it up. I'm like, what should we do about, you know, whatever you guys are experiencing? Like if one of you makes more than the other one, and you're not sure who should pay for the date. Or if you feel like one person's always contributing and the other isn't. Just like how I tell you guys to talk about sex in a relationship, um, I think that when you're in a an environment that is stress-free and maybe when you're driving in the car, God, I love that for having the really good conversations. Talk about money. I'm, I promise you it'll feel good. Even if it feels very small to you, things add up over time. So talk about your finances um, and that can bring you closer together. The next one, you guys, creating a scheduled date night. Here's what I want to say about that. I talk about it a lot, but if someone like said to me, give me your best relationship tip, I swear to God, scheduling a date night would be in the top five because I happen to know from experience and from life that when you have a special night and it seems so simple to people and people think it's, oh, it's so unsexy or if we have to schedule sex or schedule dating, then it won't make it as precious and as as interesting in the relationship and as helpful, but it really does because we all get busy with work and relationships and children and hobbies and we just think, oh, well, we live together or we're married. Why do we need a date night? I'm telling you when you have that one night that you're looking forward to, maybe you each take turns and one of you schedule one week and one of you schedule the next week. It's just that night where you guys can stay close and keep the passion flowing and keeps intimacy live and I just love a good date night. So if you don't have one yet, plan it traveling abroad together. I love this one, you guys, because it's true. When I just, I did a show with um, my boyfriend, Ben, we went to Greece together. And I said at the beginning of that podcast, it's recorded there. I said, I knew this relationship would either bring us together or tear us apart because we had never traveled together. We'd never even spent like more than a night away, away together. So you do, it brings you together or tears you apart because you just know, how do you guys negotiate things? Who's gonna pick the restaurant? Who's gonna make the travel arrangements? Who's paying for things? You guys have to really work together. And when you're abroad and you're not speaking the language and neither one of you have been there and you're out of your comfort zone, that really tests the bonds of relationships. And if you're in a long-term one, it can really bring you closer together. Another one, you guys, releasing some adrenaline. I always say that couples who play together, stay together. This is why. Because when you guys are doing something that actually, you know, is, is really kind of thrilling, like hiking or skydiving, not that's always available for you, but something that's fun, something that you're like, wow, we never do this. When you try a new experience, it's going to release adrenaline and it's going to help you bond and have that rush and support each other and bring you together. This is all about things that are bringing you closer together. Jumping out of an airplane could do that. Or just going on a fun, maybe a little, a little bit more challenging hike. Could do all of those things. Cooking a meal together. I love that, you guys. Being in the kitchen together and learning to cooperate each other. Like, who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to cut things? Like, I can't cut onions. They make me cry. I have to take to bed. Can't do it. You got to be with someone who's going to pick up the slack or the onions or whatever when you are not willing to. A day without technology. This is a lot easier than you think. Even going to dinner and leaving the phone in the car or saying on Sunday, like, do you really need your phone? Go four hours without your phone. Because then you guys actually have to talk. There's nothing happening on a Sunday or a Saturday, typically, that you're going to need your phone there. So you'll be amazed to see how present you actually are with each other when you're not looking at your phone, your phone's out at the table, and you just can show up for each other in so many other ways. You're not like, oh, let's check out this picture. Let's look at what's going on on, on Instagram and just connect to each other. And this one I love is celebrating an anniversary. You might think it's silly to be like, oh, this is the first time we met or the first time we went on a date or our first kiss. But when you guys let these like little small accomplishments in your relationship go unnoticed, uncelebrated, then they just kind of 
pass by and you won't remember that they actually happened. But when you make a bigger deal out of it, like this is our birthdays or this is our anniversary, um, that will also bring you closer together because you're remembering the special moments that bonded you together in the first place and why you love each other. And I think anytime you guys can engage in something that's actually going to remind you why you fell in love, like I love the idea of recreating the first date when you guys were dating and doing things like that just helps keep the romance alive. So I think any one of these things will do that and help strengthen your relationship. Just takes a little commitment and effort on both your part and then go jump out of a plane. Okay, the best way to fight with your partner according to psychologists. I like this because I think these are great tips for you guys. I think that we all get into fights and arguments in relationships and um, they can actually be really healthy if you do it the right way because fighting gone wrong is contempt and anger that builds up and resentments. But when you do it right, I think it makes a huge difference. And these are just little twists. So here is the first one. Be curious about your fights. Instead of having the fights, kind of look at it and go, why is this fight happening? And so the example here is like a therapist asking the couple, what does it look like, the 5.30 fight? What does a 5.30 p.m. fight look like on Wednesdays? And so you might look at each other and say, wow, okay, yeah, we always have fights at the end of the day because, you know, I want my partner to come home and ask me how my day is, and they're always coming in really stressed from work and need time to decompress. That's a classic argument. I've been in that with partners. I'm like, why do you not ask me about my day or whatever it is? And I think it's common. But if you look at it and you're like, oh, this is what's really happening. It's kind of the same argument over and over again. And that's a trigger. We're both tired at the end of the day and we have different needs. And then you can kind of break it apart rather than fighting that your partner doesn't care about you because they didn't ask about the day. But to know, okay, at 5.30 p.m., we, you know, need to take 10 minutes where we both like decompress and then we come together and we compromise. Because you realize if you pull back from your fights, sometimes we're so in them, we get so attached to them. But when you pull back and you're like, what is, what can we get curious about this argument we're having? Even if you don't have a therapist, you can look at the problem and the argument differently and then come up with different solutions. Another one is schedule a time for conflict. I like this because sometimes we get into fights and we just don't want to fight. We're like, not now, later. But if you very specifically say, like, let's talk about it on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon at three, then we can actually think about it. We can have time to get calm with our thoughts and be more rational and avoid that instinct to be defensive or to be accusatory at a relationship. Because a lot of times we say things that just come from, you know, impulses or from our anger that we regret. So taking time to say, you know what, let's not talk about this now. Let's talk about it later, I think is a perfectly fine and can be a really helpful way to deal with conflict. Make requests instead of complaints. So fights can often start with you always, you always, you know, forget to ask me about my day or you always forget to pick up your laundry. And that automatically just starting any conversation with you is going to put someone on the defensive. It could be like, you, you're doing a great job or you're doing, but we hear you and we're like, uh, I'm on attack. So rather than saying you, you can make a request. Instead of saying, um, you never clean the house. You could say, I'm not feeling great. I'm stressed about the way the house looks. Would you mind picking some stuff up? And this way, you're more direct and respectful and you're not putting him down for like not keeping the house clean and then you're letting him know why it would mean a lot to you and why it would help you. Maybe why you're stressed. Like it's just, it's just a little word twist that can actually get gets your intention across and helps your partner hear what you're actually trying to say. And these are also great for life, you guys. Like this one, listen and ask your partner for clarification. Now, this can be challenging because if your partner's saying, you know, that he or she doesn't feel heard by you ever and saying you should listen, you might say, what do you mean? I'm always listening. So what you could do is just ask for clarification and you could say, well, what makes you think like, what makes you feel I'm not listening? 
Or what would it look like to you if I actually was listening? That's a much more tactful way to address your partner's complaint than saying like, you know, well, I'm listening, so you should just know that I always listen to you and you should feel heard. End of story. So actually asking clarifying questions and repeating back to your partner, like what makes you feel that way? You're going to get a lot more information when you ask questions. And then I think this, I like this one too. You guys learn the right way to apologize to your partner, which is very similar to the love languages in a sense. Because some people, you know, there's different ways you want to be loved. Well, some people want like a huge, like two dozen roses. And some people just want to hear the words like, I'm really sorry. And here's why I'm sorry. Like they want to hear it several times maybe. Or, you know, so you just don't know. You have to, and buying flowers without saying I'm sorry could be a problem. So you got to find out what your partner needs. And then learning how they would like to be apologized to is a great way to hear it. You might think you've always apologized and they're like, you've never apologized. So this is something really important to clarify so you can get on with your relationship. Tips for finding the right kind of lube. God, I love lube. All right. People with allergies, you guys, you might just want to avoid all the gimmicky stuff like all the warming lubes and the the flavored lubes. Those are fun for oral sex. I can't recommend like some of Joe's lubes, like their gelato lubes and stuff for oral is amazing. But you might want to avoid that stuff if you have allergies. And lubes are not just for women. Lubes are for partnered sex. Um, What's good for her will definitely be good for both people if if you're with a man. So keep that in mind. And lube just heightens sensation, you guys. I just, this is why I love lube. I mean, really, I think that people still, there's some stigma in people's mind that like, oh, we don't even need it to use it if there's a problem, like if she's too dry or it means that someone's failed you, like, oh, she's not turned on by me. But the truth is, you guys, lube does enhance so many sexual experiences that I'm a fan. Lubes are not great for conception. So if you're trying to get pregnant, do some research before using any old lube. There's certain things that your doctors can tell you about and there's other kinds of products they could give you. And finally, just remember different lubes cater to different sex. So anal sex, you guys, the anus is not self-lubricating. So I love some good silicone lube. The Uber lube is great for anal sex. Love it. System Joe makes a good water base. I like good clean love. And then again, my suggestion for oil-based lube is woo for play. So go have fun with lubes. And we got a bunch of them on our website too. Let's go to our website, the shop link. It's there. Use lube. You're going to like it. And if you don't like lube, email me. We'll talk. Because no one's ever said, why'd you tell me to buy lube? I feel like it's worked out for all of you. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. And now we're going to take a quick break. Give a shout out to our sponsors. And on to your emails. We just finished our latest survey. And since last year, the percentage of you who use lube frequently went from 48% to 63%. This made me so proud. Because you know I want you guys to have a lube on every nightstand. That's my dream. Now, I know there could be some confusion when it comes to deciding which kind of lube to buy. So today, let's talk about silicone lubes. They last longer, they're waterproof, and you can use them with condoms without breaking them down, which is why I am so excited I get to work with Uber Lube. I literally used to stock them for samples at trade shows. That's how much I love their lube. I even gave my producer a cup instead of a whole bottle because I didn't want to give it all away. So anyway, Uberlube gets that high quality silicone is the best option because that's literally all they make. You just have to feel it and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's never sticky or tacky and they even add a touch of vitamin E so you feel moisturized after using it. In fact, you can use it in your hair for frizziness, on your skin for chafing. And side note, if you got colorful tattoos, it makes them more vibrant. It's kind of like the Swiss army knife of lubes. Uberlube is long lasting and waterproof so you can use it in the bath or the shower without reapplying. Besides the way it feels, let me tell you about the bottle. It's such a clean design in this beautiful glass bottle. 
definitely nightstand friendly, which of course I love. Ubalube is really in a class by itself and I want you to try it. So to order yours, go to sexwithemily.com slash Ubalube. That's my site, sexwithemily.com slash U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E today. Something magical happened this year. The magic wand turned 50. Just think about how much the world has changed over the last 50 years. I'm talking disco to dubstep, payphones to cell phones. I mean, do you realize the magic wand came out a full year before we landed on the moon? That blows my mind. There's a reason the magic wand has stood the test of time. It's just that freaking good. Time Magazine named it one of the most iconic inventions. Cosmo calls it the little black dress of vibrators. In other words, it's the one vibrator you need to have. In case you haven't seen one at any point over the last 50 years, the magic wand is a full-size massager. And yes, it works great on the shoulders too. For most women, its power and size make it the ultimate clitoral vibe. I call it the sure thing. And because things get better over time, you now have two models to choose from the original plug-in version for constant power, or the variable speed rechargeable version for cordless convenience. I've been obsessed with my magic wand since before I started the show. I even had my nightstand modified so I could keep it plugged in from inside the drawer. That's how much I love a magic wand. If you haven't tried one, what are you waiting for? Just go to magicwandemily.com. That's magicwandemily.com to order yours today. Okay, on to your email questions. If you have a question you want answered on the show, you can text Ask Emily, all one word to 797979, fill out the form, put yes if you'd like to be on a call show or go to sexwithemily.com, click the Ask Emily tab and include your name, your age, where you live and how you listen to the show. This is from Kate31 in Georgia. Dear Emily, I don't like to shave my pubic hair because of razor burn. However, I do like to keep it neat. My boyfriend says he thinks pubic hair is gross, so I feel like I should shave mine completely. I personally think bumpy razor burn is more unsightly than pubic hair, but he seems to feel strongly. Any advice on how to get him to be okay with my pubic hair? And if I shave, how can I avoid razor burn? I've moisturized, used hydrocortisone cream, and tried shaving different directions. Thanks a ton, Kate. Okay, Kate, so here's a few things. Like I read this and I'm like, oh, like I really, I really want all women to understand like it's your choice what you want to do, you know, how you want to shave it and what feels sexy to you and what makes you feel good. Although I understand also he's your boyfriend. He's the one who's seeing your vagina the most besides you, I'm assuming. So I get you want to please him and turn him on. I always think that women, we all get to choose how we want our pubic hair to be look and to feel and what makes you feel the sexiest. I also understand being in a relationship and when your partner makes requests about things and what turns them on. If he says your pubic hair is gross, I get it. You're like, okay, I'm going to shave it. But I don't think that this is closed for discussion. I think that you can let your boyfriend know that, you know, you get bumps and sometimes it's painful and you, you know, you really just, you kind of like it trimmed and maybe he will get over it. I don't know if he said this to you like the first week you've been dating or I don't know how long you've been together, but sometimes we say things early on in a relationship and we assume that's how it is um, and how we need to be. But maybe like he's with you, he loves you, like, and hopefully he might understand this, that you're like, it just, it, I get these bumps and it's, it's itchy and scratchy and this is what turns me on. And he might be like, oh yeah, I said that months ago or it used to gross me out, but I love you. We're together now. So I think that you always got to check in with those things. I don't remember something that, you know, a boyfriend said to me once about, some kind of underwear. This was a really long time ago, but he's like, I just don't like those kind of underwear. I don't, and I think it was like a thong or something. And then when I saw him early on, I was like, oh, I didn't wear it. I was like, I wore other things I thought were sexy. And then one time I was wearing it, I was like, I, I was like, I know you don't like these underwear. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, 
He's like, you said, like you said that. He goes, I don't really remember. You know, it was kind of thing like in my mind, I thought it was like, those are horrible and I won't date you if you wear those underwear or whatever think we women think in our brains. But if you check in again and you're like, babe, it's painful and I'm using hydrocortisone and he might be like, oh, go ahead. Like, don't worry about it. I love you. You're amazing. However, there are alternatives if you want to know about shaving. If you want to do it differently and you don't want to get bumps, I think waxing is great. Getting waxed, going to a salon, laser hair removal. You don't have to get it all off, but you could also do like the sides of it if you want to do that. And threading is something that I've actually done on my pubic hair and that works. As far as shaving in different directions, that does work. Like you said, it's also important to make sure that that whole area is like moisturized and hydrated because it's, you know, the skin's very, very delicate. I mean, think about it, you guys. You want to be delicate. You want to like make sure it's taken care of and you want to have a new razor. So you, I used to think this, that if you, add a new razor, you're more likely to get cut, but it's actually the older razors that are more likely to cut you. So always use a fresh razor, use shave lotion, keep the razor moving on your skin and stay hydrated. And Deodoc, you guys, Deodoc has like a whole plan. Like I love Deodoc. I use it for like in the shower in the mornings. I love the way it smells. I love the way it feels. And then they have a shaving serum that's made particularly for that area and gets rid of redness. You can check out Deodoc, D-E-O-D-O-C, so Kate, talk to your boyfriend and then see if any of these other things work for you. But remember to only shave it if you want to, okay? This is from Mike48 in Michigan, my home state. Hey, Emily, longtime listener. My wife and I have been married for almost 20 years and have a great relationship in and out of the bedroom. We always try to keep things interesting and try new things often. Recently, my wife told me she wanted to try double penetration, not with another male, but with her vibrator and me. She wanted to use her G-spot vibe while we're doing anal. The problem we have run into is that we are both in our late 40s and she is a plus size woman and is not very flexible. We have tried pillows and the spooning position and the spooning position sort of worked, but she'd like to be able to experience this without having to work her vibrator herself. Any suggestions with positions or are there any toys out there that could help? Thanks. Okay, Mike, I have a special treat for you. So very dear friend of mine, one of my favorite people on the planet and a very uh, sex, very smart, amazing sex educator, Elle Chase wrote a book called Curvy Girl Sex. And so I asked her, I sent her your question and she actually replied. And this is from Elle Chase. You guys also, everyone just check out her book. It has great tips for all sized women, but I think you'll really enjoy it. So here we go. This is from Elle. She suggests for you, Mike, to use a liberator wedge and or wedge slash ramp combo. They also have plus size versions and the material is industrial foam, which is much more sturdy and doesn't squish down like pillows do. I don't think we've talked about the liberator wedges lately and all this like great sex furniture. I love all the liberator products. Okay, so here's what you do. You fit the wedge under her hips so they lift up comfortably. He can either enter her anally while using a dual stim vibe on her, like the Nova by We Vibe, I think would be a great one. Or he can penetrate her with a dildo. Or even better, <laughs> she's got into this here, I'll run in the thrusting vibes from Fun Factory. So while holding a bullet to her clit, so like a little bullet vibe. The Tango by We Vibe is a great bullet vibe. Also, if he wants at least one hands-free toy, we have to email this to you, Mike, because there's a lot of information here. But if he wants at least one hand-free, they could try inserting the We Vibe sink inside of her, and you could still... Fuck her. Well, I never say fuck on this show. Do I say fuck very often? He can still penetrate her with a smaller dildo. This can also work with her on top. All of these can be done from behind as well. In fact, if she bends herself over the side of the bed and gets a cordless magic wand and positions it under her where the head of it rests on her clit, then he can fuck her, then he can have sex with her, he can penetrate her ass and use the dildo on her. That's pretty hands-free as well. 
In addition, there's harnesses you can buy that allow space for a strap-on and the bio penis can be used at the same time. Um, she thinks that joke slash spare parts make it. That's J-O-Q-U-E. And you'd have to stimulate her clit, but hey, that's not too much to ask. This is from L. Chase. So this is the author thing she recommends if you want to check out her book. She recommends using the following positions, the seashell, threading the needle, cup and saucer, the Wobby pie. I just want to go pull out her book to read those right now. So check out Curvy Girl, Girl Sex by L. Chase. I think those were some great tips. Let me know how that goes, Mike. You, one of these are going to work for you, I think. Um, and thanks for the question. Okay, this is from Ayana, 22 in Tennessee. Hey, Emily, I have a couple issues when it comes to sex. When I was 18, I had my first sexual experience with my boyfriend at the time. We didn't have intercourse, but we were handsy. God, that's a good word. I felt so guilty afterwards, and he got upset with me for feeling bad. He was very emotionally manipulative, and he guilt-tripped me into doing things I wasn't ready for. I'm now 22 and in a very happy relationship of a year and a half with my boyfriend, Ben. We lost our virginities on each other this year, and although I'm extremely happy and very comfortable with him, Whenever we plan sex, like birthdays or nice dates or celebrating something, I'm fine up until the moment when we're making out and I know we're about to go further. I just get extremely anxious, sometimes to the point of crying. If we have sex sporadically, I'm fine and it's hot and sexy, but if it's a scheduled thing or I know it's expected, then I freak out. I'm lucky to have Ben because he's so understanding and caring, but I want to get past this and be able to plan a date and have sex without so much anxiety. Any advice on how to get past this? Thank you. Thanks for your question, Ayana. So it sounds to me like, first of all, I want to say that you, good for you for recognizing that this past uh, relationship when you were 18 wasn't that healthy because there might be some leftover, you know, trauma from it. Like you might still be having this reaction to being, you know, feeling like you have to perform when you don't want to. So that makes sense. And I'm sorry that that happened to your own relationship and it seems like it's still there. It's still like holding in place for you. So... I think that what we got to do is kind of take the pressure off of you now, even though you said something here that when you guys actually do have sex and it's more organic or sporadic, it's fine and sexy. So I'm wondering if you could talk to Ben about it because it sounds like he's on board with you and you could just, you know, he obviously knows this is happening with you. So there's a few things. First, when this starts to happen, I know our instinct is to kind of like, if you're crying or if you have anxiety, he might calm you down and maybe you just turn on the TV and don't sees what's happening but I think there's a certain amount of you like kind of just going back to the kissing I'm wondering if that makes you still feel anxious because I think if you guys either take sex off the table for a little bit and even just like a few weeks and or just until you get more comfortable where you guys are just like kissing and making out and you know and he agrees that you guys aren't going to have sex any further so you can kind of experience that whole like excitement at the end of a date where you just are like you know what we're not going to have sex. And then who knows, you might want to go further. But if you guys have this agreement where you're like, we're not, that might just make you feel a little bit calmer. If he's like, don't worry, like I, I, I'm with you, I'm bored. Also, the thing about anxiety and sex is that when we're anxious, we are no longer in our bodies and there's no part of us that are going to get turned on, right? Because we're thinking, we're in our head. So I'm wondering if, if you just kind of can sit with that anxiety and then you, when you guys start to like make out and kiss like you do in the sporadic times if that will eventually melt away your anxiety so that's what I think like going slow making sure that you know you're getting turned on and that you're you're ready for sex this might just kind of trump any anxiety you have if you allow yourself the time to build and he understands your body what makes you feel good 
So you're not kind of rushing through sex. So either taking it off the table and just kind of working on like this warm up time of sex, which actually some of the hottest sex I think can be this whole early warming, touching, and then kind of get good at that part. So he knows how to like turn you on. And then you also know, and then that anxiety um, doesn't have a place because you guys are connecting. And then eventually when you want to bring sex back, I think the anxiety won't be there as much. So I think that if you make it more about connecting and your pleasure, um, so you're like turned on, but take off the expectations of intercourse, this might allow you to eventually move through it and have sex without anxiety, which I think that you are close to it. And I don't think this is like in any way, you know, something that you're gonna have to be living with. I think that um, just making a few steps, talking to your boyfriend a little more about having a plan, you're not going to see this anxiety anymore. Okay, so this is from he literally says, some guy in Michigan. So another guy from my home state. Hello. See, you guys don't always have to give your names, although I'd prefer it. But um, this is from some guy. Hey, Emily, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now. I really appreciate your open sharing and advice. I am two and a half years out of a 16-year marriage. Our marriage decayed for many reasons. As much as I accept my part in that, I'm working on my new relationship for it to be better. And I think I am better. I've been seeing a woman for almost a year now and things are going really well, but my question is not about her. My ex-wife and I are struggling to move into a healthy, formal relationship. We share two wonderful boys and while to keep our communications limited to them, my ex feels she has a say in the woman I'm seeing because of the influence this woman and her family might have on our boys. My ex relies on Facebook and other social media to develop her opinions about my girlfriend and continues to insist she is wrong for me even though she's never met her and doesn't want to. Obviously, I disagree. How do I help my ex get past her fear and judgments about the new woman in my life? I want to have healthy relationships all around and maintain a positive situation for the sake of my boys. Thanks for taking the time to read my question. Well, you're so welcome. And I think this is a great question. I think a lot of people deal with this. And I know that I have a lot of friends who have dealt with like, what do I do? You know, I wanted my partner to be happy now, my ex, but it can be hard. So I'm thinking like, you know, this is going to pass eventually, but maybe she's, I'm, not, I'm wondering if um, she might be a little jealous or if she's still attached to you in that way. And so if there's something about her still, you know, if she hasn't moved on yet or she hasn't met someone else, that can be hard. But I think the first thing is that she really loves her children, right? Like all parents, many parents, she's protective and she's worried. I mean, I think that's first and foremost, she is worried about someone that you could bring into your home and maybe a little jealousy. So um, I'm wondering how long, you said you've been together a year. Has your girlfriend met the kids yet? Because I do think that's something that's important to, I think a year is a good enough time to meet the kids. But I think um, sometimes that happens really early on in relationships when people are like divorced and they their new lover meets the kids like a month in. I think that is too soon. But I feel like... Um, I feel like it's unfair to you that she's building up, you know, resentments and building up a case on social media. So I just think that if there's any way, you know, you can sit down and talk to her, even though you're keeping it just about the kids. I mean, here's the thing. You've been together for 16 years. You were together for 16 years. And I get things didn't work out. But if you go back to your relationship and there must have been things that you learned about communication with her, there must be, you know, ways that you kind of know she will listen to you. So maybe it would be great if you did a gesture and you took her to lunch and you were like, listen, you know, um, we both love the kids. We both want the best things for for the kids and um, I'm, you know, I'm dating someone that is a good person, you know, so I think maybe it could be talking to her, making the time, but she can't limit what you're doing right now. But I think it's just a matter of um, 
it's been two and a half years out of a 16 year relationship. That's really not that much time, especially when you have kids. So I've seen these things happen and it will dissipate. If this is the woman you love and you want to be with, she's going to have to get over it. But I think she can't stop you from doing anything, but you can also try to mend the communication so you guys are getting along a lot better. So I think it's a little communication and a little patience on your part. This is from Jackie, 29 in Ontario. Hey, Emily, I'm a huge fan of your show and I've been binge listening to it ever since I found out about it. My question has to do with orgasms. I have great orgasms and I've always thought they were really good, but lately I've been doing more masturbation and I've noticed now my orgasms have reached a whole new level of amazing. However, sometimes after I reach climax, I have these aftershock feelings still in my vagina. I'm not complaining, it feels great, but I don't know if that means my body is wanting another climax or why I feel these pulsations for quite a while after climax. What's the sensation? Are they smaller orgasms? Jackie, this is great. I think that, you know, this means that you are like, first of all, you're masturbating, you're understanding your body and you're just getting more turned on. So yeah, it's like, it could be that your body's like screaming out for more orgasms, more multiple orgasms. Women have the potential to orgasm pretty easily once you train your body. So um, it's, you know, your clitoris does contract after orgasm and you could just be feeling like this aftershock or you might be feeling something internally. So um, orgasms can also rage in intensity. You would kind of know, but maybe it just means that you're still kind of turned on so you can continue to touch yourself. I don't know if you've had multiple orgasms yet, but that is a good time. And that's something that a lot of women have to learn, right? Like you have to like, or can learn if they've never had one, but it sounds like your body's like, yes, I would like to have a multiple orgasm. So what you do is in that shorter refractory period, like right after you have the orgasm and you're feeling that tingling, you can just continue to like touch yourself, you know, just maybe you like, move your fingers over other parts of your body for a second and then go back to it and then see if you can have another orgasm because it sounds like you can. If you've been having like clitoral orgasms, you can try using your fingers or a toy internally. So I think that's what it means. It means that your body's still aroused and it'll either die down or you can keep going and just see how many orgasms you can have. But I'm telling you, this is a great um, question and a good problem, if you will, in quotes to have because I think um, this will bode well for also the future sex you're having. This is from Lindsay, 34, in London. Emily, I'm single after my marriage ended two years ago, and I'm finally feeling ready to get myself back out there and start dating. Sexually, I feel I've led a quite sheltered life, and your podcast has validated for me that self-love is okay. I would really appreciate it if you could suggest any erotica that I could read to get me started to getting in touch with my sexual side and getting me excited about sex again. Thank you so much. Um, well, I love that you're masturbating because that is a great way to get you going, self-love will do it. So here's some erotica that I like. And these are some classics and some new ones. I love the story of O. Um, the story of O is a classic. Uh, woman on top. Every time I walk back to my bookshelf, I like pull it off. I'm like, I love the woman on top. Um, the anthologies. And then there's a Too Taboo, an erotic anthology by Morgane Cameron. And then I was thinking this too, uh, podcasts, like erotica podcasts to listen to. So there's Kiss Me Quick erotica podcast with Rose Caraway. So um, those are some erotica I, I like. Also more current stuff is Rachel Kramer Bustle writes a lot of popular erotica now that people like. She has, she has um, also has anthologies. And um, I think it's really a matter of just checking some of these out and seeing what you, what you like and what turns you on. So there's some great places to get started. Okay, everyone, thank you for sending in your emails. I love hearing from you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks to my amazing team, Ken, Sarah, producer, Jamie, and Michael. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. 
I'm here with producer Jamie. Hello. Hey, Jamie. Because we're going to talk about vaginas. Okay, you know that we try everything so you don't have to. And we get a lot of things to test. And recently, we became obsessed with these wipes and intimate wash called Diodoc. Diodoc is run by two sisters from Sweden who are some of the coolest, sweetest women you'll ever meet. Feminine hygiene is a real thing. And to be honest, there's not that many good products out there for us. And it matters what you put in those areas. There's no way I'm putting chemicals on my lady parts. A lot of people don't know this, but you're not supposed to use regular soap down there because it's going to mess with like your natural pH balance, which can cause like odor or rash or something you don't want to happen to happen. <laughs> um, so I like that Diodox products match your natural balance. So like you don't really have anything to worry about. Right. And we've both been using them. And I love the wash. I actually got in the shower this morning, Jamie, and I was excited. I'm like, time for my Diodox wash because it smells so good. I use the jasmine pear and the wipes. I literally cannot leave home without them. Now I'm kind of obsessed. I have them in my like makeup bag. I have them in my car. And the truth is, you guys, we're not fresh all the time. And these give you peace of mind, especially if you want to see your partner. It's been a long day and you've got no time to go home and shower. They're great for pre-sex. They're great for post-sex. Even if you're not going to have sex, like if it was just hot out and you were in a sundress and you were like, sweating a little bit you know and you're just like i probably could use a little refresher right now right so we cannot wait for you guys to try diodoc and meet the sisters we're hoping they call into the show soon right james yes so try diodoc for yourself just go to sexwithemily.com slash diodoc that's sexwithemily.com slash d-e-o-d-o-c today